want to just share with you something that's on my heart that came to me today while I was praying, because I have been praying for you that this would be a powerful time. Even if you're a guest and you're just joining us tonight, you don't know what all this 21 days of prayer and fasting is about. Maybe you missed the boat on that. Maybe you're just joining us with a friend. I pray tonight would be powerful. Why should we expect less from God? We gathered around the Lord. There are a lot of things you can gather around. You can gather around sports and games and family and all kinds of stuff. We gathered around God tonight and nothing less. And as we go to the scriptures, we want to read what Jesus has to say. And I was thinking about how when you take a step toward God and you fast or you pray or you're making some type of advance in the Lord, you may expect for something great to happen in that time. I know I often do. When I take a step toward God, I often expect something to happen. I'm putting my faith in God. I'm putting my faith in his word. And I'm thinking, God, something's got to happen because I've prayed this or I've done that and I've obeyed. But there can be times, and I, I bet you a lot of us could be experiencing this right now for one reason or another. And it could be this. It could be that you took a step toward the Lord over this last season. And you're standing in this place where you're saying, well, Nothing has happened, what's wrong with me? Have you ever done that before? Have you ever said, what's wrong with me? That could have been the title of the message tonight. What's wrong with me? It just would have been too long of a message. So I had to change it. I had to move to something else. It was too long of a list. But you might be asking the question, what's wrong with me? Why am I not experiencing what I thought I would what I know I should. Why am I not seeing God move? What is happening? And I want to tell you this. I want to say that sometimes when we fast and we pray, we come face to face, not with some spiritual power and strength automatically, but you come face to face with your weakness. When I fast, I don't automatically have an angel come down from heaven and tell me everything that I did not know. What often happens to me in my life when I move toward God is I am literally face to face with my weakest parts, these things that I don't want to look at, these things that I've grown numb to and I am insensitive toward, the blind spots in my life. Everybody say blind spots because you have them and so do I. And so when I begin to fast, I start to feel more sensitive. And when I feel more sensitive, I start to see things I didn't want to see. And I start to wonder what's wrong with me. I didn't do this to see bad things about me. I did this to see great things about God. But sometimes you can't see great things about God until you get rid of the bad things you see about you. And fasting brings you face to face with those things that you sometimes cannot see. And so it is not a bad thing, but the first reaction that I often have when I see something I don't want to see is, oh man, why did I do this? And I don't think I'm too different from you. I don't want to look at this. I just want God to swipe right on this thing. I want this out of my life. I don't want to look at this any, anymore. But I want to say something to you. Fasting brings you face to face with your weakness but in the midst of what you're seeing in yourself, it is an invitation of what God wants to do. Isn't that a beautiful thing? When you see what's wrong with you, you actually are seeing what God wants to do. Did that just rhyme? That happened. It's not written down. When you see what's wrong with you, you see what God wants to do. Amen. He wants to say more than you're hearing right now. How many of you believe God 
wants to speak more to you than you want to hear from him. I love it when people say, man, I want to hear the voice of God. See, I believe that our deep desire is that, but it's going to cost us something if that's the truth. It's going to cost us something because the fact is, it's not just that we want to hear from God, it's that we need to hear clearly because God is actually already speaking. So we're not saying, God, would you speak more than you did? We're actually asking God to help us understand what he's already saying. And so I'm telling you tonight, Jesus has more to say. But maybe it is that he can't say it to us because we're not able to hear. Uh Uh-oh. I don't think the problem is on his end. I think the problem is often on our end. And that's why fasting and prayer and moving toward the Lord is so powerful because we're cleaning out ourselves so that what God is doing and saying, it can be received. God's already doing his part. And so he's wanting us to clean ours. He's got more to say. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone where you couldn't fully say to them all that you wanted to? Do you have someone in your life right now where you could speak the truth to them? There are things that you could say that would change them, that would bring them down a better and more clearer path for their life, that would bless them. Are there people that you know of in your life that you could say things that right now maybe they can't hear? Or have you ever been in a relationship like that? Parents, I don't want to speak to just the parents tonight, but sometimes you can't say everything in front of your kids. Is that right? If you're a parent, just go ahead and say amen. All right, sorry, guys. We don't want it to stay that way. But maybe a person couldn't handle the full truth and we're not able to share honestly because it would offend them and it would cause the relationship to collapse. What if Jesus doesn't say things to us because we can't handle it. How, do you, how would you feel about that? How would you feel if I told you tonight that Jesus has more to say, but right now you're not able to receive it, but there is a way for you to get from where you are to where you need to be? What if I told you that? Would you allow that to offend you or would you say, what do I gotta do? See, that's, in my, that's the column that I'm in. If Jesus wants to say more to me than I'm hearing right now, the next thing I want to say is, what do I got to do to get to the place where I can hear what he has to say? It's with that in mind, I want to read this to you, because in John 16, Jesus makes a confession that is massive when you consider what he's saying. Look at this, John 16, 12. It's his last moments. It's his last days with the disciples. And look what he says. I have many more things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. Oh, I told you this came straight out of the Bible. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He's saying that word bear, it's that you don't have the strength to actually shoulder it. You're not able to receive it. You're not able to carry it out. So there's things that I want to say, but you can't, you can't actually carry them out if I were to tell you. Now, I think that's an interesting thing. How would you feel if you were one of the disciples and Jesus just said, hey, Matt, there's some things I want to tell you, but you can't handle it right now. I don't know how I would feel about that. But he tells them why. Look what he says. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose it to you. That which is to come, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and disclose it to you. Now listen to this. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Here's what Jesus is saying. All things that the father has are mine. 
And I'm giving them to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to come when I'm gone, and he's going to say the things to you that I wasn't able to say. In other words, you need the Holy Spirit if you're going to hear all that I want you to know. You need the Holy Spirit. So it's not like you get to some place where you're spiritual enough, or you're smart enough, or you're good enough. In other words, Jesus said, there are things I want you to know, more things I have to say, but you're going to need the Holy Spirit in order for you to hear them and get them. And, I, and I'm going to wait until that happens. Jesus says this to his disciples. They couldn't handle it at that point. And I'm telling you, we too, even though you and I might believe in Jesus, and you might have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you're sitting there, and you've heard the voice of God in your life before, you and I still need the Holy Spirit to hear the voice of God. Now, here's the thing. I'm hungry to hear the voice of God. I don't want to wander around in life and not know what it is that I'm to do. Sometimes when we ask people about something in life, or we ask a question, we say, what about this? And they go, I don't know. I feel like half the time when I ask questions to people, not you, of course not you, and nobody in our church, Pastor Dan, you know what I'm saying, not in our church, but sometimes I ask the question, what about this and that? I don't know. I'm like, well, what do you know? You understand? I mean, God wants us to know. He doesn't want us just to wander around in life. What does God want you to do? I don't know. What is God saying to you right now? I don't know. What is God leading you in right now? I don't know. What's the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your life right now? I don't know. What's your favorite Bible verse? I don't know. When's the last time you prayed? I don't know. <laughs> what do you love about God? I don't know. I mean, what do you know? That's not good. One of my first pastors, when I became a Christian, he would always say, he would always say, what is God saying to you right now? And if I ever told him, I don't know, he'd say, that's not a good answer. <laughs> and I said, sorry. But he taught me that an I don't know is not a good answer when you have a God who wants you to know. When you have a Bible that you can open any time and it shows you a whole lot more than we say we know. As Christians, we need to hear that Jesus has more to say. Jesus has more to say. Theologically, we can, like, we can read this and go, well, you know, Jesus was talking to people that didn't have the Holy Spirit, and when they had the Holy Spirit, what? When they had the Holy Spirit, they knew everything they needed to know? Did they do everything they needed to do? Did they live a perfect life? No, he gave them the spirit and made available to them what he said he would disclose to them. We are living in a time where we have the Holy Spirit, which means we actually are available to what God wants to say, so we have no excuse. Oh, we're more accountable than even them because he said when the Holy Spirit comes. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit came. He's already here. But here's my question to you. Can you hear the voice of God? Can you hear the voice of God? Not can you, but are you hearing the voice of God? You know, Jesus said some pretty provocative things, didn't he? Jesus said some provocative things. He said this on like seven occasions. This is, listen to this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I just want to walk around my house and say that, you know. Just get done with a statement and go, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's like saying you get it or you don't. I like that. I like the Jesus way. You understand? I feel like people sometimes make me feel guilty for the way I see Jesus. I read those words and I'm thinking, what did those people think when Jesus said, 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking to people that have physical ears, but he's saying something different, isn't he? He's saying that you can have physical ears and still not hear what I'm saying. You can sit and you can listen to my teaching and still have no clue what I'm talking about. You could have walked with me for three years and still have no idea about where we're going, what we're doing, and what this whole thing is about. Oh, man. Jesus walked around seven times. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. My question is, are you hearing the voice of the Lord? Now, here's my first question, and you could say yes or no to this. Do you want to hear the voice of God? Amen. I believe that about every one of us. So how do we get from the yes to the I am? Well, we've got to remove any hindrances, any obstructions, every obstacle, things that are in the way. What is obstructing us, hindering us from hearing the voice of the Lord, knowing Jesus has more to say? First, I want to tell you, some of us, he wants to speak to you personally tonight. Look at this passage of scripture. You know it well, but let me read it to you. Read it, let me read it to you, and I want you to think about your life. And I want you to think about the living Christ, the real God, who steps into our world, and he never leaves us alone. Do you know that? He never just walks away and leaves us alone. Well, you know, you have enough, and you're saved. He, he never does that. He's as alive today in our, in our life as he ever was. He's speaking to us as much today as he ever has. But look at this passage and think about your life, okay? Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Now Saul, this is a man who becomes Paul, breathing threats, murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord, bad guy, went to the high priest and he asked for letters from him to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found anyone belonging to the way or if he found any Christian, men or women, that he would bring them bound to Jerusalem. He would imprison them. So as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice. He heard a voice. And that voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He didn't even know who it was yet. Who are you? And the voice said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Get up, enter the city, and I'll tell you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless. They heard the voice, but they saw no one. So Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could not see anything, and they had to lead him by the hand. He was blind. They brought him into Damascus, and he was there three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. We could say he fasted for three days. He fasted for three days. Do you know why he fasted? He fasted because the voice told him, I will tell you what you must do. He was fasting to hear the voice of God. He was waiting for the voice of God. Saul heard God speak to him personally. He met Jesus personally. I want to tell you something tonight. There's story after story in the Bible where Jesus spoke to people just like that. And to some of you, he has done the same thing but not all. And you might be saying, what's wrong with me? Why don't I hear him like that? Ben, I've fasted. I've taken the step. He didn't even take a step. He went to go hurt people and God met him. I'm moving toward God and I don't hear him. Why is this my, my lot in life? Why is this the case? Why do I take a step and this is what happens? I want to tell you something. Keep taking a step. You know what the enemy wants for you? He wants your life to amount to absolute insignificance. He wants us to do absolutely nothing for Jesus. 
He'll let us have a religious game, but if it becomes a reality, he will oppose us in every way at every step. The enemy hates us, and so he wants us to believe that God doesn't love us, hear us, like us, speak to us, or want a relationship with us. He wants us to believe these things. And so he'll seduce in any way that he can at any time that he can. Ask me how I know, because I am like you. And sometimes the fact is that people hear more of the voice of the enemy than they do the voice of God. But God wants to change that. He wants to turn that around. I want to tell you that if you, if you want to seek the Lord, God will speak to you personally. God will encounter your life. I don't know how it will look. I don't even know what he'll say. But our part is this, is that we have to be people that when Jesus comes, there isn't a hindrance to what he has to say. Sometimes we're not hearing because we're hindering. Sometimes we're not hearing because we're not willing to heed. I am telling you, it isn't what you want to hear, but it's true. It isn't what I want to say, but it's true. He has more to say. And we know this is true, but we've got to realize when we read the scripture, we put ourselves into that place and go, you know what? Maybe I haven't heard what I need to or experienced what I want to, but we can. We can. I've prayed for so many people over the years. I've seen it happen. I, I wasn't a guy that went looking for God. Some of you have heard my story. I don't care if you get tired of hearing it because <laughs> it's real. I really heard the voice of God. When I was almost 20 years old, in my bedroom, hadn't been to a church for a long time, I was sitting on the floor contemplating all kinds of sin and chaos and all of my issues that I had done to myself. I blame no one for those things. I'd gone to terrible lengths to prove how sinful that I really was. And I'm sitting there on the floor, not seeking God, and I say this thing, God, if you're real, and you show me that you're real, I really will follow you. But here's the thing. When I said it, I meant it. When I said it, I meant it. I don't know all of the substance behind that statement, nor could I have tested it. But Jesus met me. When I said it, and I meant it, and I was done. I was done with the games. I was done with my sin. I was done hiding. Friends, I was at a place where I couldn't hide my sin anymore. All of my sin was in front of me, my sexual sin, my drug addictions, my lying, my hatred, it was all in front of me and I wasn't hiding anymore like so many people can do even in church, come on. Like so many people can do even when they say they're Christians. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't like a Christian. <laughs> I didn't want to meet a Christian. I didn't want to know a Christian. I just needed a Christ. And then I liked the Christian too, you know. I told him that if you show up, I'll give you my life, and I actually meant it. And you know what he did? He showed up. Come on, he, he showed up. The real God really showed up. I, you could say I was at rock bottom, because I was, but I was real honest. And I've been pastoring for 20, probably 21 years now. That's far longer than it should be. <laughs> I should be able to say like 10 years, but unfortunately it's 21, sorry. They put me into pastoring way too early, Bjorn, I'm telling you. It was, that was not a smart move, but here I am. And uh, I want to tell you something. I've prayed with a lot of people over the years, and I would encourage you that if you want to hear him personally, you got to be ready for that. 
I want you to clean your heart. I want you to ask him to evaluate you. Because he may not speak to the very thing that you're asking about. He might speak to something completely opposite of what you're looking for him to say. We ask him, Lord, would you speak to me about this? And here he is over here talking about this, and we can't hear him because we have a box. We have this box, and we ask God about what's in the box. Lord, would you speak to me about what's in the box? And God's outside of the box. I don't know if you knew that or not, but he doesn't play in the sandbox. He doesn't. And so he's speaking to us this thing over here, but our box is full of all these things we're asking him to speak to us about and talk to us about and do something with. And he's over here trying to speak to us, but we're not available to the thing outside of the box. And so we've got to open up the box, break down the box, get rid of the box. He's talking to you. He's got more to say, but it it might not be in, in the box. When our hearts are clean, available, open, and ready, man, you can hear. Maybe not every day but certainly it comes. Now, some of us, you're like, man, Ben, I've heard God speak to me personally, but you may need that tonight. Listen, you may need that. If you need that tonight, if you need God to speak to you personally, please don't leave here without us praying with you specifically. Don't do that. There's no guilt. There's no shame. None of that. We're all the same, but we can pray. We can lay hands on one another and we can pray. And if that's not, you don't want, don't lay your hands on me. We can do that. Okay. We can send it across the room. It don't matter. Whatever. It's fine. But if you're ready, if you're ready tonight, I, I am telling you definitively, God will show, God will show up in your heart and life. He, he will. Don't, don't turn to guilt. I know what happens. I pray with a lot of people. We turn to guilt automatically. Ben, don't say, don't say that. Look at that guarantee on the box you just promised. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't shame yourself. Don't turn to religious guilt. Don't do it. Let's turn that into faith and expectation. That's not misplaced optimism. God wants to speak to you personally, but he also wants to speak to you prophetically. Did you know that? He wants to speak to you prophetically. Look at this passage. Here's Paul. Now, Paul's already a guy who's been hearing the voice of God personally. Man, he is, he is rolling really close with Jesus at this point, and he's spent many years, and he's serving him spending time with him, listening to him. And he's out there trying to preach the gospel. He's the apostle to the Gentiles and he's on mission with Jesus. And this is what the Bible says as he's on his way to go preach to this city. It says this in Acts 16, 6. It says, they passed through Phrygian and Galatian region, having been, listen, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak a word in Asia. He must be able to hear the Lord because God said to him, don't go into this region. After they came to Mycenae, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them to. Man, he could hear the Lord's voice so clearly that he knew when Jesus said, don't go there. That's powerful. You'd think that the Lord would say, go there and preach everywhere, and that's what he was going to do, but Jesus said, don't go there. And so Paul, man, he's acquainted with the voice of God at this point, so he guess what he doesn't do? He doesn't go there. He said, Bithynia, I ain't going there. Why? Jesus told me not to. They came to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him. Listen, there's a guy in a vision in the middle of the night speaking to Paul, and he says this, come over here to Macedonia and help us. That's all he said. Come here and help us. (laughs) 
When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You think so? Now, check, check this out. Paul is on his way to Bithynia with his guys. We're going to preach. We're going to preach the gospel. And the spirit of Jesus, he's on the way, says, don't go there. And Paul says, cool, not going there. All right. They go over to Troas. Now they're in Troas. That's a cool name of a city, Troas. Might want to name a child that. Some of you young. Meditate on that. This is a little Troas. <laughs> Paul's over in Troas. Just a cool name. Paul's over in Troas. He goes to sleep like we all do, and he has a vision in the middle of the night. Okay? He has a dream, and in the dream, a guy shows up, and he just says like this, come over to Macedonia. Come on over, Paul. This is where you need to come. And he says, because we need you to help us. Help us. So Paul, it says in the Bible that Paul gets up in the morning and concludes that God called him to go to Macedonia to preach the gospel. It's like this guy doesn't complicate anything at all. Had a vision. God told us to come over here. We're going. That's it. Holy Spirit said, don't go to Bithynia. Went to Troas. Went over to Troas. Thought about naming a child. Didn't happen. Went to bed. Had a vision. In the middle of the night, a man appears to me, says, come on over to Macedonia and help us. We conclude God wants us to go to Macedonia. This is not rocket science. You know the difference between sometimes what we read in scripture and what happens in us is we don't get up in the morning and conclude maybe God wants us to go to Macedonia. Maybe the difference is, is we get up, we get our coffee and we all, huh, that was pretty weird. And we build a house in Troas because we had a vision there. I just want to get another vision. We like Troas. Troas is where God spoke to us. I want to be in the place that God, God spoke to us because he wanted us to go somewhere. But if we didn't go there, he didn't want us to set up a glory house over in Troas so we could get more visions. That's what we do. There are people that are like, oh, we just got to go back to Troas because Troas is the place where you hear from God. Troas is the place where he got marching orders from God. But he needed to go over to Macedonia because when he gets to Macedonia, he's going to preach the gospel. And when he does that, then the Holy Spirit is going to speak to him in Macedonia and tell him where to go next. This is what it means to hear the voice of God. It isn't about hearing. It is about knowing God and obeying Sometimes we're not hearing because we did nothing with what he said. It's just so simple, though, you know. It gets complicated, doesn't it, though? Does it get complicated at times? It feels complicated, but now what I'm doing is simplifying it. Simplify it in your mind. Kick the other stuff out. But here's Paul. Now listen to this, and I'm closing. Ryan, I'm getting ready to close. Amen. The youth, you guys make me have fun. It's okay. I like you so much. I, I spent years preaching at youth camps, you know, and they would laugh at me. It was great. I mean, with me, you know. It's same thing. But Paul, listen to me. Paul was clean. Paul was clean. Paul wanted to hear from Jesus, and more than hear, he was willing to do whatever Jesus said. If Jesus said, I want you to get on your knees and worship me right now, Paul would do that. If he said, I want you to go to this city, he would do that. If he said, I don't want you to go to this city, he would do that. 
If he said, I want you to stay faithful to this, he would do that. It, Paul was clean. It, it wasn't about hearing. It was about his heart was so receptive. And when your heart is receptive, you don't have to worry about whether or not God's going to speak to you because you're that soil that whatever God plants is going to grow. This is a beautiful thing, and it comes from this relationship with Jesus. And you know how you get clean? This is the best part. Oh, this is the best part. Okay, you waited for this moment, and here it came. The way you get clean is come to Jesus. <laughs> you can't do it yourself. You can't get clean and then, and then come back to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I got clean. He's like, you got to come to me first. Get clean. And as you do that, now I can speak to you, but stay clean. Stay where you're listening. Stay where you're obeying. Stay where you're not hiding. Stay where you're not holding back. Don't keep any secrets. Don't live that kind of a life. It's a life that veers off the path, stays in Troas, or goes to Bithynia. If Paul didn't hear, he would have gone to Bithynia. What if Jesus said, don't go to Bithynia, because if you go there, you're going to die, and this whole thing's over? I don't think he was playing games with him. I think he was telling him, I can't let you go here because of what I want you to do over there. It was all centered around the purpose of Jesus, though. Paul first starts his relationship with God in an encounter. It's amazing. I, one time, the Lord spoke to me back when Bridget and I and our family, we lived, um, I used to say back home. This is home now, so where we came from. We lived in this neighborhood, and um, the Lord said to me, I heard his voice. He said to me, I want you to take authority in your neighborhood. Now, that doesn't mean dominate and domineer. That's not what he meant. He meant spiritual authority. I want you to pray in your neighborhood. I said, Lord, how do I do that? He said, I want you to walk your neighborhood. Don't drive it, walk it. So I started walking in my neighborhood. I mean, it's just so funny. A 30-something-year-old guy just walking in his neighborhood. All, I mean, a lot, like the same neighborhood over and over and over again. And then I figured it out because I didn't have all the instructions right away. As I started to walk, I began to pray over the houses, okay? And then as you pray, you know what happens when you start praying over houses? You're in obeying the Lord. It sounds so simple, but I started to sense things. It didn't happen right away, but I started to hear. I started to hear. And it was right around that time that there was a, a young boy. He was in high school. He was a young man, not, not a boy, but he was in high school. And it was about six houses down from us. He took his own life in his house. We, we weren't a, around for it, but we heard about it. We heard about it. And um, as tragic. It was the second, I believe it was the second one that had happened in a month's time that we had heard of, but it was six houses away from our house. He took his life. We don't really know why. We knew the kid went to Young Life. We, we heard about he was a, he was a good kid. He, he smiled when people saw him. He had joy. This is the things that you heard about him. He went to the same high school as our older son. They knew who he was. As I'm walking in my neighborhood, this is what happened. I would walk by that house. One day, I walked by that house, and there's this, this tall high school kid standing there staring at the house, just like this. He's just standing on the sidewalk, staring at the house. And I walk by him like, that's strange. And I stop and I walk up to the kid. You remember the, the guy? Remember the guy? I felt in my heart, you got to go talk to this guy. I knew the house 
but I didn't know the kid. I'd never seen him before. He didn't live in our neighborhood. So I walked up to the kid, and I said, hey, man, are you all right? And he looked at me like somebody just stunned him, like he, had, he just couldn't articulate himself properly. He couldn't communicate whatever was going on in here. He couldn't. And I had this sense that he knew the kid, and I said, did you know, I think his name was Ryan, the kid that had taken his life. Did you know Ryan? It's not funny. Just listen. Did you know Ryan? And he said, yeah, he was one of my friends. I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm not okay. And as we began to talk, the more I realized, like, this guy's dad was a preacher. He was raised in the faith. He had walked away from Jesus. He's standing there in front of his friend's house, in front of his friend's house in broad daylight, staring at the house on the sidewalk. It's the strangest thing. And now I'm talking to him, and I'm engaging him, talking about Jesus. And it was like the only thing that can pull him out of this daze. Like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And I can't explain this to you, but I knew as I was talking to this boy that the Lord had spoken to me a month ago for this moment right here. The Lord wanted me to walk my neighborhood because he wanted me to talk to this guy right here. I would have never stopped. I would have never talked to him had it not happened. And it wasn't much long later that our oldest son knew who this guy was. We reconnected them. He reconnected his life with the Lord. He reconnected his life with the church. He reconnected his life with his dad. And the next thing I know, I don't even remember when it was, but it was like sometime later, the next, he's marrying some godly girl and, and they're all following the Lord. And now he's like doing all the photograph stuff in church. And he's just like that guy. He's that guy in church that's serving, that's loving Jesus, that's leading other people to Jesus. He's the same guy that was standing there dazed because he was confused about why anybody would take their life. And his own life with God was very little. But it was amazing because God, I don't say this, God spoke to me and I wouldn't have known it a month before that to do this thing that I didn't understand. And as I did it, now I'm standing with this one guy and I don't know what to say to him, but as I'm talking with him, man, God's ministering to him powerfully. And we get to be a part of watching somebody go from this place of disillusionment and discouragement and pain and potentially, friends, why God deconstruction? Why would God do this? Why would God allow this? That's where he was. But somehow God knew how to intervene through a guy who had no idea why he was walking in his neighborhood. I didn't do everything for him. I just got to be a part of what God was doing in his life. And here's my point. When you encounter God and he speaks to you personally, this is far more powerful than you can imagine. Look at Paul. God speaks to him personally, changes his life. Next thing you know, he's on the mission field and he's preaching to people all over the place and he's hearing God say, don't go there and I want you to go here. And you know when he gets to Macedonia, do you know what the story is? You can call it Philippians. Read Philippians, because he's sitting by a river, and he starts to minister to a group of women, and those women become basically the first church plant in the church of Philippi, because Paul heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to go to Macedonia, and it is because he did he planted churches. It was not because he was knowledgeable, amazing, better than, or had a big A for apostle on some hat that he wore. It was because he heard the voice of God. I think the reason that sometimes we don't hear the voice of God 
is because we won't do anything with what he says. It isn't that he's not speaking, it's that we aren't able to hear. Here's our box. Speak to me in this, Lord. He doesn't speak to you in your box. He speaks to you often outside of it. And here's what I want to say to you tonight. If you need God to speak to you personally, if you need to encounter God even radically, I believe the Holy Spirit will deliver you from something tonight. We had this word, and it came strong that God would deliver us. He doesn't want to expose the secret places. He wants us to confess the secret places. And when we do that, we're clean. And when we're clean, we begin to hear. We begin to hear. Take it from a knucklehead that stumbled into everything good that God ever did. I've got nothing else to claim but the goodness of God. But maybe it is that the virtue that we bring tonight is that we'll say yes and we will hold back. Can I tell you, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Lose yourself in the Lord. Close your eyes. Lord, anything, everything. I want to hear you. Whatever you say, I don't care what it is. If it seems hard for me to hear it, Lord, whatever it is, say it. If you speak to me about my future, it's yes. If you speak to me about my sin, it's I repent. If you speak to me about my relationships, it's help me. But whatever it is, I want to hear. Would you stand with me tonight? Let's pray. I think I said 20 minutes, but I went 200 minutes. Come on. Do you want to hear the voice of the Lord? Let's pray. Come on, let's ask. Jesus, we thank you tonight. Don't wait for me. Come on, let's ask him. We pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would show up in power. Show up in power right here, right now. Come, Holy Spirit, we ask you. We want to encounter you. We want to know you. We want to walk with you. Some of us, we need a Paul experience, that road to Damascus. We need you to encounter us, Lord, to set us free. If you need the Lord to set you free tonight, I just want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand. I need you to set me free. Keep your hand in the air. I need you to set me free. Come on, let's cry out to God. I need you to set me free. I need your freedom, Lord. I don't come with anything else to offer, but I ask you, come. Let's ask him for it. Come, Holy Spirit, encounter us. Clean us. Cleanse us. Purify us. Wash us with your precious blood. Thank you that you stand ready and able right here and right now to do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, come. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church. Church.